0: Uh, my wife and I, uh, in, on June 1st, we celebrated 10 years together, uh, which is amazing that she's put up with me for 10 years, but we we went to uh, Colorado, and and uh, we went to the mountains, and it was awesome, and, and Genesis chapter 22 will be our text. So most of the time, we went you know, mountain hiking, and let me just tell you, we're not mountain hikers. I'm not built to climb mountains, and, 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 and we got a great deal. We were there. Uh, it was basically it was like 50 bucks a night, actually, um, normally 300 during the winter, but we were there in off-season. All we wanted to do, we just wanted to get up there and, and kind of get away from it all and just you know elevate and see everything and see life from a new perspective, so it was really cool. Well, I had this wild idea. We were at the base camp of Beaver Creek Mountain, which was the place that we were we were staying at. It about 8,000 feet. And so I see this hill with this ski gondola, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, let me just go up to this hill here, this little hill, and I'll just go on top of it, and we'll get a great picture, hope it'll be great. Well, meanwhile, the hill's like this, and my legs were on fire. I mean, I it was... It was, I mean, it was literally, it was, you know, that kind of, that, and in you're in higher elevation, and we really weren't prepared for that. So we get up to the top of the hill, and we realize that's not the summit, and, and hikers would call you, they would call that a false summit. So I look around behind me, and I'm going, oh, there's another hill there. <laughs> Hope you want to go. And so I don't know how she agreed to do this, but she did it. She, she went with me. So about an hour and a half later and, you know, all the way at the top, we look and sure enough, there's another hill. <laughs> well, meanwhile, we're three hours in and now my adrenaline and my sheer determination and, and it's like, you know, uh, we're going to do this. Well, we get to another hill and oh, there's another hill. And it's like four and a half hours in and we're at this place. There's a little chalet there that they use during the wintertime. It's a place where they go and they get hot chocolate or whatever. And it was closed, So we're right next to it. And there's some chairs there, and let's just sit out here and relax and we'll think about it because we don't know if that's the last summit. We don't know if that's the last hill. So, all of a sudden, out of the blue, these guys come by who are workers, I guess, from the resort down below, and uh, they talk to us and say, Oh, well, you're out of water? No problem, we'll fill up all your water bottles. And we get a second wind and we start climbing. Then, because we were scorched, the heat was really, you know, when you're in the mountains, you're higher to the sun. We're starting, I mean, I'm I'm starting to peel. I can feel it back here. Well, she finds, I'm not kidding you, 70-proof sunscreen underneath one of the ski gondolas. Uh We're going to take that mountain. Oh, we're going to take it. And what was interesting was, I mean, we get to the top, and we get the perspective, and we get the view, and we get the clarity, and it was all worth it, and then we had to climb back down it. Whew, that was an interesting trek. I had a blue toe for about, I still have a blue toe from it, but... The perspective we got that climbing up that mountain, I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing, but what I learned from that was this. We elevated and God provided grace and provision along the way, even when we didn't know what we were doing. How much more in life can God do that for you? Here's what I want to talk to you. I want to talk about elevating beyond your mountains. I want you to elevate your relationship with God can go deeper and higher. There's nobody in this room that would say, no, I don't want that. The question is the how. How? And here's what you need to understand. God always starts with a promise. And over here, he has provision. But standing in the gap between promise and provision is the problem. The question is, what's the problem? And the question is, what's the mountain standing in your way? To get you from promise to provision. Because the answer to that question, typically, God has his word... But really, what I found is, we look at the mountains and say, mountain, move. Mark 11 says, say to this mountain, move. Here's the the thing I want to say. Most of the time, the mountains that we face in our life are of our own making. We're the problem. We make our own mountains. And God wants to deal with us, and he wants to elevate you to a higher level. So Abraham, as I mentioned, Genesis chapter 22, let me set this up. Uh, About six chapters prior to that god has conferred blessing on abraham. He said you're going to be blessed You're 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 going to be the father of many nations and that was before he had a son and he was well in age And god six different times gave him the blessing and things began to come to pass He actually did get the son his name was isaac and so they have a lot of momentum, but now we come to chapter 22 And God has another level that he wants to take him through Genesis chapter 22, verse one. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, now take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham waited 17 weeks and decided he thought he might saddle his donkey. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, he laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, here I am, son. And he said, well, look, the the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? Uh, Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my God, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your Isaac, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The way this typically gets preached, it's always from the perspective of Abraham. Here's what I also want to throw this at you. Isaac, also complied. Jewish scholars will, add, will, will show you, when I grew up, I thought Isaac was probably like two or three years old. A lot of times you see that. Most scholars believe he was 25 to 30 years of age. That means he was strong. That means dad was probably 115, 100. He was in his hundreds, right? Now think about that. Isaac was a type of Christ who willingly, so we talk about Abraham's faith, but are you seeing Isaac's faith here? His obedience, they went up there together. And here's, the, here's the, the thing about that. On the other side of that, they both got blessed. But Isaac had the right to ask God, whoa, or ask his dad, uh, where's the lamb? How many of you asked questions about the provision before you got there? Remember this. And here's the key point. The test reveals Our trust the test reveals our trust see a lot of times people think well If I do this, i'll be blessed what god told abraham many times before is no, 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 you're already blessed Believe it walk in it and you'll obey it, but we get it flipped we say if we obey then we'll be blessed But isn't that works theology? I do this god blesses me, right? No, 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 no. Jesus Christ died on the cross and made you the blessed. When you receive Christ, you receive the blessing of Abraham. This is foundational because it'll change the way you think and how you approach and how you obey God. The provision was already satisfied on the cross. So you are, if you're a Christ follower and you have received Christ, you are already blessed. Now, get up. Elevate to your mountain and walk in it and get your provision. Can I get an amen? Get it. It's yours. Well, you say, well, I don't feel blessed. I don't care how you feel. Get it. Walk in it because he's going to give it to you. And here's the thing. Well, Ryan, how can you preach that? My circumstances don't line up with that. Well, do you think that Isaac said the same thing to Abraham on the way up the mountain? Uh, Where's the provision? I want you to chew on that as I go through this. Remember this, there's the promise, there's the provision, but then there's the problem. And all throughout the Bible, you hear God talk about mountains and mountains. And sometimes he asks us to go around those mountains. Sometimes he says, speak to that mountain, Mark chapter 11. And sometimes he says, you climb that mountain, get a new fresh perspective from Mount Moriah, and watch what I provide. The key is, the test reveals your trust. So what is the test? Well... Here's the test. The test is what is most precious to you. What is most precious to you? What are your Isaacs in your life? Faith and trust are the power power twins. Okay? They're the power twins. Faith and trust. I want you to remember that back in verse 5, Abraham said, We will come back. We will come back. He told the lads. Go back to verse 5. We will come back. He didn't say, I'll come back. He said, we. Ladies and gentlemen, that's faith talking. That's faith. That's saying something's going to happen. God's going to provide. I don't know how, but he just told me to do this. He told me to do what? He told me to do what? He told me to leave this job that pays me all this money. He told me to do what? Come out, come out, come out, come out. I've got something better for you. But we want to know the outcome before we go through the test. Does anybody relate to this? What is the test? Here's a few of the things. What is most precious to you? Is it possessions? Is it a loved one? Something that you can't live without. Maybe perhaps, uh, in, have, have you ever had the statement, I will be happy if she does this. I will be happy if he does that. I will be happy if they are removed. I will be be if God gives me this. Have you ever made those statements before? Here's what God's saying. You can walk in the blessing. It's not what you feel. Here's the promise. You are the blessed. Now walk in it. You have to understand what your Isaacs are. Is it a job or a career or money? What is it that shapes your identity? A lot of us, I think, uh, I can remember back after I'd lost a couple of jobs. I remember sitting talking to my dad. This was when I was 24 years old, and I said, Dad, I'd lost a couple of media jobs. And I said, Dad, you don't understand. If I'm not a somebody, I'm a nobody. I put my My Isaac was my reputation. Has anybody felt that before? I had a lot of Isaacs. What was most precious to me was people's opinions. Or what was most precious to me was success and fame and stature and... I need to be at ESPN by the by 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 the time I'm 30 and booyah and all that. And you know what? I when I got a revelation that I needed to lay some Isaacs down, God began to bless me in ways that I couldn't possibly imagine. We always face those tests. It, it's a test we're going to face. Maybe it's a prolonged battle with sickness or physical challenges some of you i I know your stories you have such courage such faith i mean you're walking through some ridiculous odds and you're standing in the gap and you're seeing the promise and you're seeing the provision but you're in it you're in the fight right now and i'm standing with you i feel it i understand it and you know what it's it's okay to say i'm scared god but nevertheless it's not how i feel it's what your word says Sometimes uh, our Isaacs can be our identity. I've known people that they had horrible things happen to them years ago. And you know what? They were a victim in that area. The problem is, 30 years later, they're still a victim. And that becomes their identity, and that's their Isaac. That's how they relate to people. And they don't want to lay it down. And God's saying, do you want to be healed? And they're saying yes, but they want to stay a victim. You understand what I'm saying? That can be an Isaac. What is it that you cherish the most is it an identity is it what is it is it a is it a a hobby or a habit maybe it's self-sufficiency maybe it's maybe it's you know intellect maybe it's you just want to be the smartest guy in the room can i tell you there's nobody here that's the smartest guy in the room the smartest guy in the room is jesus we all need him right what what is our isaac's Write this down, and this is important. If you don't pass the test, you will take it again, and again, and again, and again. And you're going to go around that mountain again until you pass that test and pass that test. And, and I can tell you, I was always a holy procrastinator. I would, I would when, I take te- when I would take tests... I would wait till the night before. I know none of you did this, but like in college, I would wait till the night before and I would just cram and cram and cram and cram and and like memorize, memorize, memorize. And because I just wanted to get by and I'd get like a B, maybe a B minus or whatever. But the next day after I took the test, I didn't remember anything. When we take our tests, God wants to get something in you so he can get something to you. Take the test and do it his way. Don't procrastinate. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. If he says go, you go and you go now. If he tells you to go now, not notice Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't wait five weeks. He went because God said go. Anybody else struggle with that? Key point number two. When Abraham was asked to move, he moved immediately. Because why? We're not guaranteed... We're not guaranteed tomorrow. How many times throughout the Bible, God gave a promise and a provision, but people got thwarted, or they didn't go and they didn't do it God's way. Jonah was a prime example. He finally got it straight, but he failed the test the first time and he wound up in a fish for three days. But God gave him a course correction and spit him up on the thing. And yeah, you're going to go talk to these people that hate me and they like to boil people in oil, the Ninevites, but you're going to have compassion on them. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, I don't like these people. And he, he didn't quite obey God the way God asked him to. But you know what? He passed the test. Eventually, he went and he preached to him. But he didn't need to go through a fish to get there. This is, this, is, this is where a lot of us, I think we miss it. I think we sometimes blame God. We say, God, this mess is all your fault. Can we be real? Sometimes it's our fault. Hello? We put ourselves in that position and we create those mountains and all he said was speak to that mountain and go or he says, go around that mountain or he'll say, climb that mountain because you need a new perspective on your problems. Because he wants to elevate you to greatness. But the problem we face is that we don't want to do it his way. We don't want to do it when he says to do it and we don't want to admit that there is even a problem. What, what the key to living in, the, in, the, in a greater blessing And to walk as Jesus walked is to understand this. You are the blessed. He wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Have you ever been around a person who's only talking the problem and the mountain? It's difficult because it's ingrained. But there's something about people that will say, say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm facing today because tomorrow... God's given me that provision and I'll walk through that valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil for my God will supply on the other side of that. This preach is good on Sunday, but I need you to walk it out on Monday, please. This is critical to all of our success in the kingdom. We need this. Key point number three, the provision comes as you face the mountain and climb it. Often, again, Abraham was given a directive. He ascends the mountain. Isaac complies. They get up the mountain. He tells them, we're going to be back. I don't know how we're going to be back, but Hebrews gives us a hint about what Abraham was thinking. Hebrews 11, verse 17. I'll read it to you. I want you to understand what he's thinking at this point. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress had already brought Isaac for an offering. He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from among the dead. Indeed, in the sense that Isaac was figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed, he did actually receive him back from the dead. That means that no matter what, God's promise is going to come true. I don't know how. He may stop me. He may not. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you feel like you've got the knife right to the Isaac? And it can be those critical moments in life where we face those tests. And God speaks a personal word to you. I just love God because he's a personal God. And he, each of us, he knows how we're intricately wired. He knows how we react. He knows how we are in certain situations. And he has a unique uh, way of dealing with you than he has with dealing with me. For instance, my wife, in college, uh, she went to Oral Roberts University. And at Oral Roberts, they had a, I think it was kind of, it was a no drinking clause. Is that what it was? Yeah, honor code or Whatever. And so she she just decided not to drink in college. I mean, she was 22, and she could have, but she chose not to. So then they they graduate, and she has a bunch of friends, and they're in Colorado. Uh, Ironic. This is kind of ironic. It was in June of 2001, and you were in the mountains in Colorado. And so she's with these friends, and they said, hey, yeah, you know, Hope, you want a glass of wine or whatever? But the Lord spoke, and I want to say this specifically, the Lord spoke specifically to her to her, not to her friends, to her, you know what, you don't need a drink. She laid it down. That was a, what we call a rhema word. That's, a, that's something for her. She laid that down. Well, the question I would have asked at that point is, why? You know, you're legal, you can have a glass. I mean, that was my question. Here's why. One month later, after her trip to the mountains, she runs into me on July 4th, 2001. A next drunk. One of the things I told the Lord is I can't kiss anybody who has a lot of booze on their breath because it's, you'll taste it. I mean, think about it. And and so I just said, Lord, I can't, you know, I I just can't marry anybody who drinks. So you're going to have to, well, I run into her. She made that decision. Here's what I would challenge you. No matter, she, she's the most awesome looking lady. You know, I, I was blessed beyond measure, but I would not have married her if she was a drinker. For me because I couldn't drink because I would wind up dead because I was a drunk, so do you think God knows how to do the little things in your life how to put you in places do you think he knows best by the way, do you miss drinking no neither do I so and that that was a Rima word for her are you receiving that for her there are areas in your life that God wants you there may be, he may speak to you and say you know You need to give up that Xbox. Lay it down. And it doesn't make sense. But maybe it's because you spend 45 hours a week on that Xbox. Or whatever that Isaac could be. Here's the thing. He knows us better. And we all want to walk by faith and we want to see God move in the big things. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't pass the test in the little things when he's speaking to you, how can he trust you with big things if you don't even want to listen to him in the little things? The, the most awesome journey with God I've found is, is that you never know what's going to happen next. You never know. But Hope made that decision and she obeyed God and we have four beautiful kids as a result of it. Here's another example, since we're on the subject of mountains. There was a mountain climber and they were part of a team that went to, uh, you know, I know in Colorado there's like, they call them 14ers. They're 14,000 feet above sea level. And uh, so th- there's, there's a number of them in Colorado. Anyway, to summit that in, in places like the Himalayas and, and others where you're way above that, um, they go in teams and, and then they, they camp for the night and, and then they go to sleep and then they, they try to reach the summit when, when the conditions are there. Anyway, there's this, there was this guy, part of the team, so they're at, the, they're at that point where they're right, they're right at the summit. They just, they've got to take it the next day. Well, it gets dark. This one guy decides, you know what? I'm going to go for the summit tonight. It's a, it's a full moon. There's clear skies. Uh, I want to be the first to take it. So he goes it alone. He goes, starts going up, and things are going good. He can see it. He can see the summit until all of a sudden clouds start coming over the horizon and block the moon. And now the light's getting less visible. And now all of a sudden, he hears the snow storm coming. And now all of a sudden, as he's climbing up, he, he puts himself into this rock. And this rock, what they call rotten rock, he, he slips. And now he's dangling from his rope. He's dangling. Falls. He can't see anything. He can't hear anything. He's freezing. Because he hauled off and went up alone. and he, he's, he's dangling. All of a sudden, after a while, he hears this still, small voice. He says, says this, says, cut the rope. Would you have the guts? You can't see below you. You know how big that mountain is. You could, you could be over a cliff. Cut the rope. He doesn't cut the rope. The next day, the people come up behind him. They see him. He was this far above the ground. Provision, shelter, and a cave was right there. He could have survived the night. I wonder with that still small voice that God speaks to us sometimes. We miss the provision and the safety. See, that man made a mistake, but God gave provision through our mistakes. How many of you made mistakes and God has given you provision on the other side of it when you do a course correction? It was right there. And I think sometimes we say, well, I don't want to cut the rope because it's scary. I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of things that I've done, course corrections I've made, it's been scary. I can tell you it's worth it. One day with God and following what he asks you to do, walking in the blessing, because I know I'm blessed and I know you're blessed. You may not feel blessed and I don't, there's a lot of times I don't feel blessed. But I know what the word says and that's what gets me through, amen? From the promise to the provision, I get through the problem and I climb that mountain and it gives me a fresh perspective. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to read you this scripture. Isaiah 55. God knows you better than you. He knows what's ahead of you. He knows what's behind you. But listen to what he says in Isaiah 55. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts then your thoughts. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that he's got good plans for you. Uh, thoughts, he thinks about you. Another translation says he thinks about you. He cares about you. He knows what's best for you. And obedience isn't this oppressive thing. It's to unlock the fullness of his blessing because he knows better, because father knows best. His ways are way beyond what we can see. Like that climber, I challenge you today. Cut the rope and fall into the hands of your Jehovah-Jireh. The name the Lord will provide on that mountain of Mount Moriah was Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. With heads bowed, eyes closed, you say, Pastor Ryan, my, my relationship with God is fractured. I'm not sure where I'm at with that, but I just wanna, I want to get right with him. Today, I just, I want to get that course correction. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. Father, I just, right now, I, I pray for each person that has raised their hand. They are the blessed. And receive them. Let's all pray this prayer. Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me for my Isaacs that I've put before you. I repent and I fall into your loving arms. I cut the rope off my past and I elevate to my future as I obey you into the blessing in God's power I consider it done. Amen. If you said that prayer for perhaps the first time or made a a commitment to Christ, feel free to go back to the Welcome Center and pick up a a Bible and some other gifts that we may have for you. We want to encourage you to do that and to deepen your walk. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.